0: Hey, Warners, this is your warning that the following episode of Women Your Mother Warned You About went a bit rogue from the beginning. You know, one of those episodes where we started the show before we started the show. You know, we were recording and then things happened. So put on your big girl panties and buckle up for the ride with Rachel Pitts, Keith Walters, and yours truly, Gina Tremarco. my goodness look at my hair with my headphones Uh, cute if I just this is my good side now okay you'll be ready for banana
1: prospecting
0: (laughs) that is hysterical I don't double check my messages I send to you and what's even funnier is like because Dave is so OCD he now I think he feels safer now he'll message me he's like babe there's a typo in your Facebook post and he'll literally like screenshot it and then draw circles and like you're it's supposed to be in you have Anne. And I'm like, just stop.
1: But 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 thank you, babe. I'm like, thank you for keeping I like me. it if people point it out because I usually do a lot of my posting at like four or five. 30 in the morning and I really can't see that well so sometimes (laughs) I have stuff spelled wrong or written wrong I know it's so funny wait a second are you eating during a podcast like is that allowable because I'm due a meal like what the heck yeah why is there hair in my yogurt shit there's dog food in my peanut butter and there's hair in your (laughs) yogurt (laughs) I'm definitely not loud enough I can see by my waves
0: so here's the thing this is another rogue episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About. Welcome everybody. And yes, I am doing this, Rachel, while eating breakfast. So that this is rogue.
1: We can do whatever the hell we want. I that's awesome. I love that. And I, I love that you're eating because I know that you have a big day. So I'm glad that you're I'm glad that you're actually eating. And um, hey, why hell not? And it I was thinking this morning because I'm feeling a little like I am drinking chai tea right now because I'm not allowed to have coffee creamer. And if I can't have coffee creamer in my coffee, like I can't do black coffee. I know you do. You can do black.
0: I, I switched over. I mean, I go back and forth because I do the French press. When I do french press, I do honey and cream and I know that's totally not on the diet, but I'm not in competition like you are no. so.
1: So I drink this tea when I can't drink coffee because I like it's a better substitute than me trying to choke down black coffee and suffer. So like in in competition prep and just to to be clear everybody, I'm like 3 days out from a bodybuilding competition and if you've ever been around someone who's in, a, in this position like everybody likes to tell me their story. Oh yeah. I had a roommate in college and he was just evil when he was right before prep. And to be honest, like it's some hard shit. Um, but I'm grateful to my great coaches, which is a tribute to, you know, the fact that having a coach is important, but they don't starve me down. Like I, I saw a guy at, um, the gym the other day, and he was like, "Oh, yeah, do you feel depleted? Are you this and that? Are they like taking away you know salt? like huh? and I'm like, no, I'm pretty much like we make small adjustments because our prep is like twenty weeks long. So it's not like you have to all of a sudden do this drastic stuff at the last minute. I mean, my my caloric intake is pretty low compared to the three hour workouts that I'm still doing and the three to five right, hours right. of teaching dance that I'm doing each day. Um, but it's, I'm still eating like quite a bit of food in terms of like, really, if you compare it to most countries in this world, I was just going to say,
0: I mean, come on, seriously. I mean, you, yeah, you, you don't look like you're dying.
1: No, I'm thriving. I'm thriving in a lot of ways. And and, you know, the interesting thing about it is like, we really don't need as much food as we think, especially right. in America. It, the portion sizes are so supersized and out of control that people don't actually know what their, what portion sizes really look like. And it's kind of like a joke, the FDA like pa- size of your palm or size of your fists, like piece of protein or whatever is kind of a joke to people because of what we're used to getting served in most um, chain restaurants, what have you. And then there's the emotional side, which Like there's so much emotion to food and I see it even more. It's just like really highlighted right now for me because everything around me, including just like simple things, I just, I'm not supposed to be eating according to my protocols that I'm, you know, what I'm trying to accomplish this weekend. And like, you know, so Felix and I went to this dude's birthday party, one of his business associates on Sunday. And, um, of course, you know. They had this huge spread of like soul food and garlic bread and like just this mac and cheese and all the things. And I had some shrimp and I probably should have not even eaten those shrimp because I should have eaten food that I brought. So it's like beating myself up that I ate some boiled shrimp somebody else boiled and not me. (laughs) But then they bring out this cake that's like the giantest cake. And of course, in my mind, because I think that things like hairnets are brownies sometimes at this point, I look at this cake and it's like the biggest cake I've ever seen ever. I think ever. <laughs> and I look at Felix and I'm like, fuck you for bringing me to this fucking party with cake because I <laughs> want some fucking cake. <sighs> but and it's, all, it's all mindset, really. It is. Well, then what happened? is that we sang happy birthday. The guy blows out the 60 candles on the cake and I'm like, ew, I don't want that cake. He blew his spit all over it like multiple times trying to get all the candles out. And so then boom, the mindset was done and I was like, okay, good, I'm good now. Like it's very the whole thing is such a mind game and it's similar to prospecting where you're like, you have this internal conversation where you're like, okay, I'm gonna call this guy, I'm gonna call this prospect. Oh God, what if it's, what if I'm disturbing them? What if they are having problems since COVID? Wait, what if they're, what if, it, what if they yell at me? What if it's, what if they say, yes, then I'm just have another proposal to write. What if this is blah, blah, blah? like all the things until you just like do the actual action of pick up the just phone and it. dial the number and you just do it, just do the fucking deal. And then it's, it's actually not as, it's never really as bad as you think. I mean, sometimes it's kind of bad, like, pfft. It gets bad, but sometimes you just have to get through it if you want to reach bigger goals. And this is goal-oriented people we're talking to, which are our yeah, one. So
0: you have to, um, I don't know, it's kind of like programming yourself to just do without thinking, right? It's, it's don't get the rational brain even involved in it. Just go, okay, this is what has to happen, and I'm going to do these things, and then create a rhythm and create um a habit right like this is all common sense stuff we're just we have this tendency and this is fresh on my mind because i've been teaching um different parts of i lose track of what i've been teaching it's like pieces of sales eq here pieces of ink to there a little bit of object, objections sprinkled in there sprinkled in there and what's fresh on my mind is the whole negativity bias of of how we are as humans and how we're wired that we just automatically go to a negativity um, automatically as humans with anything of thinking like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? What shoe is going to drop or safety bias of um, being risk adverse, which then creates this whole like status quo bias of like, I'm just going to stay. I don't want to do any change because change is going to like, create more things for me right and all of that has stemmed to fear fear of something fear of rejection usually right right it's it, it all comes down to that to so just just do it
1: mm-hmm. whatever well, it is I, lately i am um, i'm uh, it's hard i will say it's hard what i'm doing physically so i'm doing some long stretches of cardio and so i started listening to tim grover's book again with a winning winning mm-hmm. book And because it's like you can't hardly but keep on rocking when you got this like motivational Michael Jordan level shit going on in your ears. But he talks about at one point with focus, words like focus, intention, um, just these these type of actions and these type of thoughts of like, okay, focus, just focus on your footfall, focus on your breathing, focus on, you know, focus on one point that you're staring at keep going. You only have this much time. You got this, like that kind of stuff is different than emotions where you're like, I just don't feel like it. this is just not fair. Everything's so hard. I'm just so tired. Oh, I'm just like that. Those are two different things. And like, not saying that you're going to not feel that sometimes. Cause like this morning, multiple times, I'm like, I have a bit of an injury I'm working through. I'm like, my hamstring hurts. Oh, God. What am I going to do? Okay. Okay. Just, just, you know, move it around, keep moving it around, do what you got to well, do, it, it goes, set up your goes, stuff, like set up your appointments, get it fixed. Like, it just goes back to whatever you tell, whatever you tell
0: yourself, you know, Jeb says this a lot too. It's like, that's the story you're telling yourself. Mm-hmm. Whatever you tell yourself. I mean, I don't want to get all woo woo, but I do believe in this. let see. The law of attractions shit. Like anything you put out there, right? You, if you say it enough, you start to believe it and you start and 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 then you start to see what's happening to you or if you're staying in this negative space then all of a sudden you start to attract more negative shit to you. So if you wake up every day and go, I got this. Like yesterday I was saying to um I was saying to Dave, I said, oh my god, I'm starting to get anxiety about being I gotta go, I'm gonna I I leave next week for Charlotte or Raleigh. I'm not even sure. And then I come back and then I gotta go to Ohio. I'm like, I'm getting anxiety. He's like, babe, why? There's no reason to have anxiety. I'm like, yeah, you're right. It's it's good to have a partner that will remind you of that because if you get stuck in that, right. I mean, I'm pretty disciplined with pulling myself out of that and be like, get your shit together, Gina. It's all good. It's all good stuff. But we have a tendency to start to panic. And then that feeds on itself. So it's like, yeah, I got this. So if I start every day with like, I got this, like when you messaged me earlier and eventually we'll have a topic to this show. Um, When you messaged me earlier, like, are we still, are we still doing this? Um, Are you, are you in the weeds? And I was like, I, I mean, I'm like so calmly in the weeds. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm in the weeds. Yeah. I am always in the weeds because it's how I schedule my day. And I was thinking about this that this morning. I'm like, I don't schedule a lot of time to breathe in my day. I mean, like not actual breathe, which we talk about, but it's it's what has to happen for things to happen. And then you start to look at that my pipeline has been doing well and I've been closing I've been mean, closing deals that I've walked away from. And I told Jeb that, and his response was relaxed, assertive confidence. That's what his reply was, right? Because I'm just in beast mode of like, oh, you want to buy something? Okay, I don't got time for this. All right, fine, let's go. Right? Because I walked uh, away. I walked away from stuff because I got busy, because my pipeline was full. And I got busy. And so deals that have been hanging out there. One that I actually finally had to move into HubSpot and, and call it lost because I'm like, all right, I've chased this guy. I I quit. And then he messaged me randomly on Monday, Hey, yeah, um, I'm ready to go. Right. And it's coach, it was coaching related. And we know how that works. It's a different cell. And he I I called him, I go, You really, really
1: ready to go? He's like, Yeah. I'm like, give me your credit card. And he did. Sometimes deals got to sit in the pipeline a little longer than we would like them to. It seems and yeah. like sometimes yeah. we're so quick to flush it down the toilet because we think it's done when it really just needs to simmer a little longer. Right. Like that one.
0: Yeah. And it depends on, again, coaching is a different animal than training. Yeah. Because it's so personal and it's so like business B2C, you know, like, you know this. Cause you were my client for a while. Right. Yeah. And like you, yeah. And I know that
1: story of how I closed you. I'm like, all right.
0: Give me a call if you're
1: interested. Bye. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, I'm learning too. I spoke with a prospect the other day and he, he, he wants to, he's just got some real live things that are, would hinder him from really being focused on it. Um, so we scheduled the next meeting and we have, he has an action plan until then. And, you know, all good. And like, instead of like, I walked in the phone call of like, yes, he's ready. I'm closing this. And then when he brought up these obstacles, I'm like, yeah, I see that. I see that point. Let's do it this way. Why not? That makes the most sense. And even, you know, offering to him too, I made sure to ask the question, like, are you good with a female or male coach? Like which one is more comfortable to you? Cause you know, Jeb junior, would be also a really great fit for this potential, um, Prospect, so I was like, you know, just saying I could talk to Jeb Jr. He's Jeb's son, if you like, you know. And he's like, no, I kind of like, you know, female sounds it is fine. And so you just have to like feel it out. And I saw um Donnie posted in his group this morning. What's the best? What's the best sales advice you've ever been given? And this and I'm is like, Johnny. Oh, a- I always screw up his name. Bovine. Bovine.
0: Bovine. Donnie mm-hmm. Bovine.
1: Uh, success champions and. uh I was like, you know, we talk to a lot of great salespeople, and I mean, shut up and listen, and and care are the two things that, like, shut up and listen is definitely the best advice I got about sales because I talk too much about myself <laughs> <laughs> when given the
0: chance. Well, the brain can't handle listening to too much stuff. Yeah, I was doing this yesterday with um, mastering sales objections. I we've incorporated the yes and into that boot camp um, as a as ledge disrupt how to like capture your emotions, you know, get a hold of your emotions really quickly, get a hold of them really quickly. And so I've been teaching the yes and as a as a way to like, yes, you don't want to move forward at this time. And
1: right. So I was teaching them that. Side note, um, I'd like to take a a moment for a commercial pause that if you have not taken Gina's (laughs) What to Say When You Don't Know What to Say workshop or Spontaneous Selling, go to salesgravy.university and find one of these courses now because yes, and the concept of yes, and is the most valuable tool you will probably ever learn. Thank you for that. And this show is
0: sponsored by Sales Gravy. (laughs) So so that tool of the yes and, and I was teaching it yesterday, and what I also love about that tool is I can learn a lot about someone's personality Mm. when I put them through the yes and exercise. And one of the students, one of the learners, in his yes and, for those who are not familiar with it, I'll just try to do a quick summary. You have to listen with the intention to repeat what you heard someone say. So you can't pre-plan in your head what you're going to say. And that's really unnerving for people because they, they have their scripts and their discovery questions. And, and I've seen salespeople do this. Like you can feel them processing you when they're asking the questions. And I'm like, you just in the moment to have this organic fluid conversation. That's why we're doing this. Listen, repeat, and then add your two cents. And keep it short because the brain can't handle the overload of this really long sentence because now you got to repeat it. Your partner's got to repeat it. So this one guy in particular, he, his, his sentences were so long that his partner, you could just see her eyes glazing over. And then she just finally, she's like, he wins. Was I supposed to remember all of that? And I said, no. And I'm like, okay, Kevin. And I know Kevin listens to this show, so you know who you are. I just called you out. (laughs) He he actually sent me a text a couple days ago about our last episode and how many calories you're eating. So, Kevin, you know, I love you. And I, yeah, I coached you um, in this session. He was, he's, he's giving too much information and... And that starts to confuse the brain. We're talking too much. And that confuses the brain. The brain needs time to process. So you have to back up. And the brain likes to take things in smaller bite sizes. Yeah. And and so this is where the shut up becomes really powerful. I know I'm on a tangent now, but. I like it. um, Here's what I was thinking about talking about today, even though we're like, I don't know, 15 minutes into the show. I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about having a CEO mindset. You know, that's something that Jeb talks about in fanatical prospecting in time discipline about having a CEO mindset as a salesperson. And I thought this would be an interesting conversation to have because you just recently acquired a business and now are in this full ownership role with the dance studio. I used to own a business, two businesses. I, you know, I still have the LLC that funnels other things that come in and a little bit of leadership stuff, but I'm, I'm full, I'm full in with sales gravy, but I I was in that CEO mindset for 12 years, but this interesting, my transition into from full-time CEO to full-time employee, I still behave like a CEO of my revenue stream. Sometimes I might cross the line and then Jeb's got to pull me back in. But I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I'm so conditioned to think about I'm responsible for bringing revenue in to take care of my company. My company is my household. Right. You know, so I'm responsible for that pipeline and everything I do, all of my activity... I have to be in the CEO mindset, which means I have to delegate things. I have to manage my time. I have to prioritize. I have to let things fall off the table that like, that's clearly not a prior. I was just thinking about something because we're going to take our shows and get them on, onto YouTube. And I'm like, Oh, I totally forgot to get those videos over to Trey to work on. Obviously not the highest priority at this time. Right? So being in that CEO mindset, I thought that'd be a good conversation because you, you're, you've been in it now, how long in, um, Litchfield Dance Academy?
1: So I took over on, um, August 23rd and today where, when we're recording is September 29th. Wow, So a month, about a month. I don't, I definitely don't feel like I have a full grasp on a lot of things but I have a full grasp on the main thing. And the main thing is this, be ready to pivot at all times and remain Mm -hmm. calm. Like no matter what happens, just remain calm. And like my biggest challenge, it's not actually what I thought it would be. Like, Mm. you know, I thought my biggest challenge would be handling the dance moms and if you've watched that show dance moms which i i've actually never watched dance moms do any do any of the dance moms listen to this show um maybe but i thought well it's just historically like kind of the thing that like i don't think the same way that a lot of dance studio owners think because i have a business background now for the last 10 years in my opinion i don't think the way that they think because a lot of them have you know they it, they manage things differently but i see it all it's all sales it's all sales and it's all communication and you know the the what i did what i really and it's also shut up and listen so the very first meeting that was had with the you know the central core of the main company dancers which are the ones that are there every single day um those parents expressed that they wanted more clear communication and that was pretty much their main, main thing, aside from, you know, one little thing about, you know, changing choreography and stressing out the dancers, which was also noted by me. But the main thing is clear and and constant communication. So that's what I've been doing. Like I treat my um, dancers, especially the company, the way that my dentist treats me in terms of my appointments, which is I'll get my receptionist to send them an email with the schedule at the beginning of the week, then later in the week, then on Friday, maybe one more email. And then I use Scipio to text everybody the schedule again in the evening time on Friday night, because most of them to Scipio, uh, Scipio has been revolutionary. I just love it. Go look it up. It's really great. It's basically a group texting platform that doesn't loop everybody into one of those annoying ass group texts. Like everybody gets the group text from me, but when they reply, it's all individually back to me. It's really great. Oh, so cool. So good. Um, But I find that most of them look at that. But at the same time, the more touches on them, the better they are. I've just communicate really quickly and clearly via text. They all know they can reach me pretty much any time and they all know it's fine to text me early or text me late. And if I'm sleeping or if I'm working out, I will get back to you as soon as humanly possible, which I always do. What I have found is the challenge is the instructors <laughs> just ah, scheduling people management, scheduling with the instructors. And this is what's different about my approach is most dance studios. The, the dance year goes from when with the school year, it goes mm-hmm. from school with starts till June, like August till June. And most dance studios want instructors that are hundred percent committed and like all in and they are stuck for the, the duration. Well, I like having high level professionals teaching in my academy. So that means I have to be willing to pivot and bend and and work with them when say they get their dream contract in New York City and go up there and do it for a week and then this girl wants to go and choreograph for this show over in Carolina Forest and this wants, you know, this one has a vacation and and I just keep p- like going okay and pivot around and change things. And luckily my mindset at the beginning of the year was let me schedule myself the least amount possible so that I can slip into these spots. If somebody is out. Um, and you know, as long as, as it, I know my dancers and as long as they're getting instruction, that is high level and that's fun and they're engaged and they're learning something about dance. They're good. Like if it's not the same person every time, That's okay because sometimes change is good. Like, you know, I was observing them last year before all this takeover took and I'm like, they probably are tired of me. They're probably tired of me and my freaking heavy ass lectures about like last night I laid um, relaxed, assertive confidence on them. (laughs) <laughs> and they were it. like looking at me and I'm like, yeah, at Sales Gravy, we teach this. And so I started teaching them about relaxed assertive confidence and how that is expressed on stage. Like if you're panicking and like you can feel that and, and the, the performance doesn't go as well. If you're over trying, if you're like, you know, stressed out and freaked out, you have to be somewhat relaxed, but you also have to be assertive so that you're executing the movement properly, but you have to be confident about what you're doing.
2: Hi, this is Jeb Blunt. There's a reason why thousands of sales professionals and top companies across the globe hone their sales skills at SalesGraph University. You see, Salesforce University is different than most learning platforms. First, we have live courses taught in a virtual classroom by our master trainers that start almost every single day. And our e-learning platform is populated with hundreds of hours of sales training content produced by some of the top sales trainers in the world, including Gina's spontaneous selling course, which is worth checking out. Now I've got some good news. If you've never taken a course on SalesGravy University, if you're a new user, you can take your very first course for free. That's any course on the platform, absolutely free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com, that's learn.salesgravy.com, or click the e-learning tab in the top menu at salesgravy.com, pick out your course, and when you check out, use coupon code FREECOURSE to get that course for free. That is FREECOURSE to get your very first course for free.
0: Well, here's a, here's the thing with confidence in anything. And I, and I talk about the same exact thing when it, when it came to improv performance, we hit the stage and like, sometimes we don't know the suggestion the audience gives us. We, it might be foreign to us. And part of that is they want to throw us off on purpose, but when we hit the stage and we're like, and we act like we know what we're talking about, they either laugh at us because we got it wrong or they, or they lean in and they're like, wait a second, Wait, did I get it wrong? Like the audience actually then questions himself because we just show up confidently. You can do that in anything. I do that with Dave a lot because he's sometimes gullible. He's like, wait a second. Are you kid? Are you're messing with me. Cause I just, I say it like very confidently. Like this is the way it is. Sky's orange. It's not blue. It's orange. Why do you think it's blue? Or, you know, like, like it's just an attitude of like, you know, like there were times when I've like had to show up for something. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to act
1: like a do. Well, and that's another concept I keep pounding into these dancers heads is how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yep. So if you learn to execute your small tasks with confidence, then you'll, you'll execute the larger tasks with confidence with more confidence um and if you always if you're always during the time the music starts and the time the music finishes striving to like do your utmost and be as excellent as possible then there's less room for error when when things go off the rails like if you really really study um the frameworks that you learn in in banana prospecting, (laughs) haha, just kidding, fanatical prospecting. We'll tell everybody what banana prospecting (sighs) is later. Um, If you really, really study those frameworks and just put them into practice, like I say all the time when I'm instructing, I'm like, the reason that I want you to do it this way is because this works better if you do this. The reason that I tell you to pull up your, um, lower abdomen is if your back is arched, then your butt is sticking out, then you're going to fall backwards and then you won't turn as well. People, and then they people, understand. People need reason.
0: Yeah. They, they need a
1: because. Yeah. And so if you practice, if you learn these frameworks, which again, I highly recommend fanatical prospecting boot camp is so good. Every time I do it, I've done it several times. Actually,
0: the, We are recording today is September 29th. And this um, episode airs tomorrow, the 30th um, fanatical prospecting, also known as fanatical, uh, banana prospecting.
1: <laughs> accidentally, <laughs> accidentally known as banana prospecting.
0: It starts today, but the next one is October 22nd that I'm teaching and back to your, what to say workshop, uh, since we're doing a plug that the next one's October 14th, cause this is a pretty timely episode. People can still get into those, but, um, yeah, yeah those are, are good frameworks. What happens if people get, um, frustrated with anything new. And, and so what I encourage them to do is like, just try it and then try it again and then try it again and then try it again. Don't get frustrated with it the first time. I remember when I started using, um, the voicemail framework, right. And I'm like, Oh my God, I got to say the phone number four times. But then when you practice it, then it just becomes a way, right. It just becomes part of your, your languaging and it be, it's, Super easy, just like the yes, and when people get str- struggle with yes, and you know, if they practice it enough, they actually start literally using it. Like literally, oh, yes, yeah. and like it's a literal exercise, but it's also a framework for you to just be in a mindset of listen,
1: repeat, add something new. So good. That, that voicemail, uh, the voicemail framework, this is the thing about this, the concepts that Jeb has put together in Fanatical Prospecting they work y'all and they work every time, basically like, and, and every time I don't care if I'm calling somebody to actually, that reminds me, I called and left a message for somebody that I need a service and they never call me back. Shocker. But, um, I just, I do the framework every time. And I think of it in a way that instead of thinking like, Oh God, I'm saying my phone number four times, I think of, um, I'm not sure which, I don't know if it was you or if it was Jessica who taught fanatical prospecting, whichever one I was in that said, you're actually helping the person on the other end of the line, listening to your voicemail by repeating it a bunch of times. Cause then they can write it down and then they can double check it. And then it comes again one more time. They can double check it. Mm -hmm. Like it's really actually helpful, but it just feels awkward at the time. And like Gina's saying, once you practice and practice, like I said this to my dancers yesterday as well. Cause I love this phrase and that is amateurs practice until they get it right. Professionals practice until they can't get it wrong. Mm. So even if you screw something up. then I love that. Repeat repeat that good. That is so, so cool. I believe actually this comes from Lanny Basham who um, certified me in mental management said that this came from uh, a music professor. He said, amateurs practice until they get it right professionals practice until they cannot get it wrong. (sighs) Boom. Yeah. And it's really, if you really think about it, say, take somebody like Michael Jordan, like he practiced his jump shot so many times that he hardly ever could get it wrong. Like more times than not, he would get it right. And that's the goal is in your sales conversations, in execution of a performance, in, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you want to, you know, get more, hit more shots than you miss, right? Cause you can't, you're never going to hit all the shots, but if you really practice and repeat and refine the things that, um, you want to accomplish, then you're going to get it right. More than wrong. The more times you practice, like what I'm doing right now, that last year, it was this time last year that I competed for the first time in bodybuilding. And I didn't know what I was doing on stage. I was like pretending like I knew what I was doing. Cause I needed to, that was the story I was telling myself at that time. But looking back, um, and this is part of my next book that I started working on called There's Dog Food in My Peanut Butter, coming soon. <laughs> trying to beat it to the ta- beat Gita's book to the table.
0: By the way, I have a meeting with a ghostwriter on Friday. So, blah. Uh,
1: I have met, the, I'm meeting my third ghostwriter today. I'm trying to decide what to do. Um, let me know about yours. We'll compare notes.
0: We'll compare notes. Yeah.
1: Um, I really, I had to tell myself the story that I knew what I was doing the last time just to make it through. I came in last. I came in last in all four categories. Yeah, you weren't you weren't happy about it. I came in last all categories. It's pretty it's pretty um, uh, humbling to see your name at the bottom of everything. But I now looking back, it really was the best thing that could ever happen. It had like, to happen. It had to happen like that. And it, and my reaction to it, I was thinking about that this morning too. My reaction to coming in last was to get upset, but within about, you know, 30 minutes of being back in my hotel room, I had booked the next show and I was like, I felt immensely better just because I knew what my next steps were. And then my next show, I got a little bit more confidence. And then the last 12 months of my life, I've been busting my ever loving motherfucking ass for hours and hours on end at 3:30 in the morning sometimes and working through injuries and learning about mental toughness and now like at this point i'm actually like i'm pretty i have some relaxed assertive confidence because i know that i can when i get on stage saturday i really won't be able to get it wrong because i've been repeating this posing routine hundreds and hundreds of times, almost every single day. Like my body is where it needs to be. I've been there's dog food in my peanut butter to keep me from (laughs) sliding off track. I'm really focused on self-care and, and protecting my body with, with massage and physical therapy and cryotherapy and all the things like what I need to do so that I feel ready. And I truly feel like an athlete with some shit to bring to the table. Whereas last time I knew I was a pretender and that's why I ended up in last.
0: Well, here's the thing though. Sometimes you have to be a pretender to get I there. I showed up. I you, showed up. You showed up and it yeah. was, and it was relaxed. a sort of confidence of like, I remember you going into that competition. You're like, Oh, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to place. I'm going to right." like, but you have to, you have to be in that yeah. mindset. Yeah. You, you couldn't, well, you couldn't enter going, you know, it's okay if I'm in last place. <laughs>
1: not if you're a real competitor, real competitors don't show up and think they're going to lose because if you, if you, so this is another mental management concept. So if you show up and if I, if I believe that you can beat me and you believe that you can beat me, I've got no chance. I've got no chance in hell. And it doesn't matter what the competition is. If I believe that you can beat me and you believe you can beat me. No chance. But if I show up and we both believe that we could beat each other, then there's, then there's something interesting going on mm-hmm. because otherwise it's just done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's mindset. Yeah.
0: It all it all comes back down to mindset. So what, what, else, what, what, what else have else, you learned
1: um, about the CEO mindset? Yeah. Um, I have learned that there's a lot more, um, There's a lot more details that you just don't like. For a while there, I was looking at having partners in this business and they did not have very much business experience. They just had dance experience in their background and they really didn't know what they didn't know. But I sort of knew this about business. But I also didn't realize all of the ins and outs of certain just menial boring tasks that have to get done like cleaning you the believe. mirrors like you you, cl- you cleaning yeah. the mirrors i saw cleaning, that. cleaning the mirrors right now i'm cleaning the studio i have a cleaning lady who is closing out another job a commitment so that she can come and clean for me because it's a ten thousand square foot fa- place and i've been cleaning it on my own on sundays every mm-hmm. week and yeah. it's it takes me like three hours but i just jam it out and put my music on and make it make it extra cardio but it is a lot um and also things like just transferring the electricity from the previous owner to mm-hmm. me involved um mm-hmm. an inspection and an a fire inspection mm-hmm. and giant ass deposit that uh-huh. sucker punched me in the yep. stomach. Yep. And I'm like, okay, all these things. And and almost every task is like that of just like, oh man, okay, I gotta figure this out. And there's a lot of those type of things involved. But what I've my approach to it's just been as um, as a learner is just, you know, like, Oh, really? I got to get the fire chief to come over and, Uh and, you know, but I just took the opportunity to to chat with this person and, you know, talk to him, get to know him a little bit. He's very gracious and kind and all the things and super helpful. I, 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 speaking of fire, um, I need to give you a little, um, free advice
0: here if you don't mind. Um, when you do your annual fire extinguisher, inspection. Okay. I'm assuming you have fire extinguishers. Just, just say yes. Okay. So Plus, they, have to be, they have to be inspected annually. So you need to look at the tags. I know this is like crazy random information. I have
1: a solution. I have a solution, Gina. You'll what be your, proud of me. What's your solution? There's there a company called VSC and I called them up they came out, they checked all of my fire extinguishers mm-hmm. of which I have many, <laughs> they're very there. And then he, um, he checked all the dates and then, um, there was one that needed replaced. So he replaced that for me. And he put me on the rotation that one year from now Good. he'll come in and check it. So perfect. Really great service. And I was like, I had no idea. You had no idea. I didn't no even idea. know there was a fire extinguisher right there, but
0: there is one. Yep. So so these are like, you know, this happens in anything. It's like the things you don't know. Whether you own a business or you're new into a company, I'm approaching my it'll be my one year anniversary on Friday at Sales Gravy. Um oh, the thing, I, Can you believe it? It's crazy. So it's anytime you're new into anything and the things, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so it takes time to ramp up that costs you money and time. Um, and, and so that can affect the money you're making, your sales funnel, you as a business owner, the revenue coming in. Um, you have to stay patient through it and push through it and realize you don't know things. And I and I, the fire extinguisher I bring up, maybe this is a story I put in my one of my books, the fire extinguisher story, which is also known as the snow globe story so i I had a service there's a company that I used for um for the um, uh, the the fire extinguishers but what I was doing early on is an as a young business to save money. I would take the fire extinguishers to them to have them inspected and recharged until this is my great story spine this structure and then one day <laughs> as I was taking them in and um trying to slow down to um get to a stoplight those fire extinguishers which were on my passenger seat rolled off the seat and then discharged filling the entire car With fire extinguisher substance, whatever you call that. And if you've never been in a fire extinguisher situation in a small space, it's not good. You're pretty sure you're going to die because you're driving a vehicle and it becomes a whiteout in your car. You cannot see, nor can you breathe. Yes. (laughs) My car became a snow globe what in the world yeah, I never Jesus told you that story Rebecca. did I yeah so when the multiple ambulances showed up and I was rushed to the hospital they didn't know they had to call the CDC because they didn't know how to handle a fire it was a reverse fire so that was a big learning as a business owner don't cut corners like Yeah. That never happened again. I'm actually, I was telling Dave, who at one time was a firefighter. um, I'm like, I'm actually afraid of fire extinguishers.
1: No shit. (laughs) That's (laughs) traumatic. Well, and you know, what I have been doing as much as possible, even in terms of shopping for insurance, like I was talking to the previous owner And he was like, here's what I have for insurance. This is what I pay. You can feel free to shop around. And I'm like, you know what? Easy button. I don't want to shop right now. Maybe in the future, I'll shop for some insurance. But right now, I just want exactly what you have so that that is just one less thing right now because there's so, so many just moving parts. Yeah. And everything moves kind of like a locomotive. Cause like already it's like, we're discussing Christmas show because it's almost late to start stuff for Christmas show. Even so I'm still working towards a uh, Halloween fundraiser. Like it's, you have to kind of forward think a lot more and, um, I've noticed that I've developed a pattern with my secretary that she knows how I work. I'll leave a note for her. I'll send an email to her. I might mention it to her. And then I'll ask her, have I mentioned this? <laughs> like I'll text, I might text her, but I started just emailing to the office so that I don't bother her off time. Cause I, you know, I don't want to mess with her life. I just, now when she gets to the office, she gets my email. So if I think of something at 4am, I just email the office and say, Hey, would you please look into this for me? And I also um have done some important acts of gratitude for my staff already. I've um I've got what is an interesting selling strategy because I have a clothing brand that I represent is I've gotten all of my staff hoodies that I'm embroidering with a new logo that they're all going to wear and I've also gotten them all an outfit to wear that they all just think it's like Christmas that they've got this outfit. And they're like, what do I owe you for this? I'm like, don't owe me for this. But what I would like is when the girls ask you about your outfit, then you mentioned that you got it from me and the clothing brand and there's going to be QR codes that's around the studio that they can get that as well. So it's it's one way to make my staff feel really happy because who doesn't like free awesome clothes but it's also another selling strategy that is not directly selling to people but they see it these kids are all going to want the hoodie with the embroidery on it when they see it every single one so you know it's actually it's a cost for me but it's also a way to uh, keeping employee morale is really important and I I want and I've told every single person that I've hired Um, that I, what I want is for you to feel supported in what you're doing. I want you to feel like you can be creative and you can do your thing. I want you to feel appreciated and valued. And um, that's it because I feel like that's how you can be successful in this particular environment is I don't want them to feel micromanaged from me, but I want them. I'm like, if it costs money or you need something or something's not working, just come to me that's the deal otherwise please show up on time like that's
0: yeah, you know and, and people don't like to be micromanaged but what I learned in running a business is that people like structure yes and they like constant communication and you started this out at the beginning of saying you know the dance moms they want communication we all as humans want communication and structure and guidance um no, i mean you and i are both high performers i need i still need structure and instruction um i the time that i that that i have with jeb when he coaches me uh i still need structure and and i think any leader you know most leaders are are have you done a personality assessment like a disc for my staff for yourself
1: oh yeah yeah okay so
0: like a disc assessment which I think you should actually have your staff do and we could talk about that separately because I've I've got I've got something that you can give them it would be really easy to do um kind of a down and dirty way to do it when you start to understand the different personality sets um you and I I already know. Well, you and I like scored the same on other assessments. So having a D personality, a dominant personality, a get it done personality can sometimes be off putting to people because we're just like, we're a runaway train. Right. And so some personalities can't, they don't know what to do with that. Um, and they want some level of structure. And sometimes a get it done personality is like, why do you not already know that? And so it's been a bit, it was a big wake up call for me that I had to be a little more hands-on, not micromanaging, but laying out structure, plan, making sure that they understood it and not just saying, Hey, I'm here if you need me, because sometimes that's not enough. Mm -hmm. And, and I've, and I've definitely had those moments with Jeb where I'm like, well, Jeb's big about ownership, right? And I'm cool with that, but sometimes I want to know. I need to know, um, not necessarily a shortcut, but it's his company, right? And so I want to know what he wants. I can definitely initiate and get things done because I've got a type D personality. But at the end of the day, it's his company. So I want that structure. And I think any employee feels that way, that even though you're like, you guys are cool, you still have to give it to them. And when you're a runaway train, sometimes you're like, oh, my God, I don't have time for that. Just figure it out.
1: Oh, yeah. There's. Yeah, it's definitely it's a delicate balance of making people feel appreciated and letting them do their work, but also making sure they're clear on what the directions are.
0: Yeah, because people also like the attaboy, right? Like, okay, I performed the way you wanted me to perform. Can I have a trophy? (laughs) You know? We all like a pat on the back. Everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> Everybody
1: gets a trophy. Um, I think that's our episode today. Whatever it was, um, there was a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, as as always, I dropped some knowledge bombs, baby. Yep. We
0: put some, we put some knowledge in there, and I, um, we're gonna call this professionals practice until they can't get it wrong. That's I think fifteen of us. I
1: I feel actually really energized. I feel good, so I appreciate you. And this episode, because I was dragging ass a little bit when we started, let's be honest.
0: I mean, yeah, it was another one of those. We squeezed it into the calendar. um, But this is what we do, people. We calendar shit and we make things happen. And I was thinking about that this morning. Like I'm recording four podcasts this week, two for the pivotal leader, two for the women your mother warned you about. I was like, shit, I'm doing a lot of podcasts. Um, But these are the things that have to happen and they get on my schedule and they get done period and you just keep pushing um because I'm already thinking about my pipeline for January. And I feel like I'm behind the eight ball already, right? So mm-hmm. whether it's building a pipeline or for you Rachel you talked about the holiday show coming up, like having owned an improv comedy theater, ba- very parallel business, instructors, performers, students, right? You got to think four, five, six months ahead of time. Right? So it's like holiday that's like tomorrow christmas is like tomorrow when you're in this world that you're in right now of all the things that it's like what we talk about what you do in 30 days shows up in 90 days Mm -hmm.
1: so oh yeah there's stuff that we've had to make sure we stayed on top of that's not happening until like march but i heard we had some things like dance competitions because of covid everything's been kind of weird and slow the last year, but now that things are opened up, like the one competition that some of the kids are going to, um, in November is completely sold out. Everything, the hotels, the actual competition, all the things. So I was like, Oh shit, we better make deposits now for the spring ones. So we don't, so we don't get booted out of these. So now that's all like, I was like, okay, at least we're like, we've put our thumbprint of like what we're doing we can figure out later what we're actually doing but at least we're we've got our spot yeah. you know crazy
0: yeah. well as always awesome uh awesome to rogue with you um coming soon we will be doing um what did i call it the other day um warnings we're going to do what did i i came up with a really good phrase for the for the morning oh morning warnings yeah. Morning Morning. Warnings. I can't wait for Morning warnings. We're going to be doing Morning Mornings uh, little hits where we have coffee and we um, bullshit more than we usually are um, <laughs> without our hair and makeup done. So that's coming soon. Good luck with your competition this week. You're going to kill it. Can't wait to see all the pictures.
1: There's a live stream. If anybody's interested, I'll post on Ooh. Facebook at UltraFit yep. Lifestyle.
0: Cool, cool, cool. So that's, that's, uh, this is our, uh, wrapping up this episode of the women, your mother warned you about brought to you by sales gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco signing off. And Hey, if you want uh, to check out our other, other episodes, you can go wherever you get your podcasts. Um, obviously, but, uh, cause you're here now. So wherever you found us, you found us, but share, share the episodes, um, bring a friend, if you found valuable content and if uh, you haven't given us a rating and review lately or ever, we would love one. So go thanks ahead and so do that. Good. And you can learn more about us at women, your mother you or at salesgravy.com. You can learn more about Rachel and I there as well. Rachel, any parting words for you?
1: Thanks for listening and thanks for sharing and keep, keep going. Cause how you do one thing is how you do everything.
0: This really will get serious soon. Yeah, I don't, it, it doesn't have to. I don't think anybody wants it to be serious.